Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. Uh, they've got it. OEM parts as well. Proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with uh, Andrew Short and Justin Brayton. And uh, use the code PULPMX when you check out and you can save yourself big money on anything you need for your bike or body. 2015 stuff is in now. Seriously, brand new website, people. Go check it out. Great international shipping rates also. And, of course, uh, presented by Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the 2015 stuff, including the V3 helmet with MIPS technology, a highly updated award-winning Instinct boot, airspace performance goggle, 360 racewear, foxhead.com, or visit your local dealer, which I'm sure sells Fox. Kenny Roxon, Ryan Dungey, wear Fox. Why don't you? All right, everybody, this is the Racer X Podcast. I'm Steve Mathis, as usual. With me on the line, uh, the two uh, other amigos that usually join me, the great Jason Wygant. Oh, yeah. And the greater Jason Thomas. I don't know about that, but I'm here. Um, yeah, so this is a Motocross the Nations slash RV to GPs recap, thoughts, expressions, that sort of thing. Uh, Weege, since you're the boss of this, where do you want to start? Well, we'll just go chronologically, and we'll start with Donations. I cannot believe this. I cannot believe we're at the point where Donations is beginning to be overshadowed. It's like the photo on Back to the Future. It's beginning to fade. So much has happened. I, I have been a little taken aback the last few years. I feel, and maybe I'm wrong and I have no proof to back this up, but I feel that when the USA loses the last three years, the coverage from everybody over here is much less. There's a lot of just let's move on. And I have no proof. Just something I feel. I'm not sure if I'm right. What do you think, Weege? Well, uh, it was definitely true the, uh, the past two years, for sure. I mean, eventually we were literally getting emails saying, stop, stop. I don't want to read or hear anything more about this race. Um, but I think this year it's actually, I don't think this, uh, the October 1st, which as we know is, D-Day, Christmas, New Year's, and everything when it comes to silly season. Mm -hmm. I don't think that hit three or four days after donations like this ever before. Yeah, I mean, last year we had very few changes. Everyone was under contract. We didn't have a lot going on. Yeah, so I think this year it's getting – I haven't really seen complaints this year. I think uh, it's being overshadowed by all this other news that hit literally four days later. And like I said, donations like fading just because of that. It's no longer fresh. Like, we got new stuff. I, th- I think a little bit of it's just like people are just kind of, if USA loses, the people over here just kind of want to move on. You know, I don't know. 
But. They have the last two years, and I'm sure many people still do. However, I feel, I mean, I did the exact same thing the last three years, six in the morning, watching it live on my computer, and just looking at, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Vital and our comments on our site and emails and all this. I swear, I feel that the last two years when they lost, it was just blood, guts, uh, scorched earth, slash and burn, mm-hmm. murder, kill, pillage. I think now, after three years of this, people are starting to come to grips, and I don't think it hit <laughs> right. quite as hard with everybody. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, it's the third year, it's right? Less so, yeah. I think, yeah, like at first it was like, what the hell happened? But now it's almost like, well, I guess maybe this is where it's at. Right. Yeah, maybe so. What do you think, JT? No, I think uh, I think Weege is onto something there. I think you you know become a little bit numb to losing. Unfortunately, uh, the the sting is not quite as bad, and uh, the scenario is becoming a little bit more real. That we're just not the you know maybe we still have the the best team on paper, or you could even argue that, but it's not dominant anymore. I don't I don't think. Uh, so yeah, it, it's that, and I think uh, you know there's there's a lot of other things going on with the photo thing and and stuff you guys touched on but i know for me uh just you know once you lose and you're there and it's just kind of like yeah well that wasn't very good okay what's next let's talk about something else because why you know i don't really have any desire to dwell on it you know i was there i watched it and we just got beat so why again kind of how it goes not as angry jt this year not as angry there's my proof yep there's my jt you summed it all up yep thank you yep very uh you are the litmus test he took the defeat. He took the defeat this year, better, much better than last year. So yeah, maybe so. You see? Yeah. You see? Well, I I honestly felt like we just got beat this year. I mean, I think there were some things that happened, uh, and I I wrote about this on the flight home today. Um, but I think there were some some things we could have done differently that may have changed that. But we we got beat both strategically and on the track. Wow. Well. Uh, what'd you think, Weege? Sitting on the couch, uh, tweeting for me because my phone didn't work once a lot of people got there. Um, what'd you think? Uh, first of all, I'm sure you're deferring to me because you, you two probably discussed this to death on the Hulk show, correct? No, 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 no. Um, oh. you know, just... Don't, don't, uh, don't diss our audience for the, you know, just because you already talked about it. No. Feel free to, you no. guys... Oh no, okay. we we will. I just I'm interested in getting him and I room together. So we talked about this over and over and over. Um, wh- what's your take of it? Yeah, it's it comes down to like what hurts worse. Like I had a couple people say, um, you know, it hurts less um, getting beat than like blowing it. Like you were clearly the best team, and then you screwed up. And I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which because you can see it both ways. Like. It would be one thing to be like, okay, we want the Americans to be the best, and we still truly feel we are. It was just dumb luck and circumstances, but we know we're the best. But in this case, it's the opposite. It's like everyone did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Okay, like clearly the first, first, last two years, just something was up with Dungey. He couldn't get comfortable at Lommel, couldn't get comfortable last year in Germany. This year, Dungey did pretty good. You're like, that's about as good as you, you can't expect him to do much more than that. He wrote fine. Uh, just good enough. I wouldn't say wrote, that. I wouldn't say that. He, I mean, obviously he fell, so, you know, shit happens. But when he got up, there wasn't much there. Now, he could be hurt. You know, he could have had some issues with his body, but I was very disappointed with. with, What? 
what, his last moto? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but he got second in his first moto. There, yep. there was not a second place coming if they'd run 100 motos in Lommel or Tall. No, I know, but it was shocking how sort of ordinary he was once he got up from his fall. And again, maybe there was something yeah. going on, but... I guess so, but I, I mean, I, once you knew that he and Tomac were in 30th and 31st place or whatever at the end of the first lap and they were already 15 points behind going into the moto, it, it didn't matter. So, yeah, I guess he could have ridden better from that point on, but what difference did it make? I feel like they all, it, they all rode okay, and like JC said, it's like they kind of just got beat, but I don't know what hurts worse, being better and losing or losing because you just weren't better. They're both kind of suck in their own way. Yeah. It'd be nice to pop your chest out and say, well, clearly these three guys are the best guys in the world. They just well, bike broke or something. Yeah. Um, DV wrote something on Pulp. Uh, Belgium won the, the U- USA won the last time with 26 points. Germany won at Lomo with 25. Belgium won last year with 27. France had 17 this year. That gives you an idea just how good they were. Yeah. You know, they- and I do think it's such a small sample size, this race. I mean, you're making so many decisions based on just three motos, you know, and you're trying to gauge everything based on that. Like, you're gauging the, the, the two series, essentially, GP guys and American guys against each other and where they fall ranked against each other. You're judging the rider's ability under pressure, and you're even judging the team managers and the strategy and all this, and you're judging all of it on one day of racing, which is really bizarre. It doesn't work that way in any other circumstance in the sport. You know, you're usually spreading all these this, this discussion out over months. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to say, like, okay, they lost the last three years. Before that, they had won several in a row. But so many of the wins the United States had were, okay, what France really, really had for it is every time they needed something to break their way, it did. Their guys always got starts. They didn't have any bad luck. Well, it seemed like for years that was what was happening to the American guys. It'd go down on the final moto almost every year. It was close. What was going to happen? And then some dude and one of the other teams would crash in the first turn. The Americans would miraculously get good starts when it counted, and they'd win. Yep. And now it was like the exact opposite. It was like every time, like this, Frassard got two good starts again. Yeah. You know? Um, it, it seemed like, I don't want to say that even when America was winning a lot, it was all because of luck, but it seemed like most of the time they had the better luck. And now it seems like any time something – the last thing you needed was Dungey and Tomac to both go down in the third moto, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, they were, was the last time a guy got hurt, like Martin? That never happens. They were a broken chain away from not even making the podium, you know? As it was, yeah. Great Britain tied him, and Dungey's second uh, got, the, yeah. got the result. But um, And like I said, it's yeah. the Martin thing, I can't think of a – how lucky is that that we haven't had a dude get hurt in practice or qualifying like really bad in a long, long time? What, since Timmy? Yeah, probably, right? Um, yeah, so I can't, how I can't much think of this is like How much of this is just like they've won a lot of times because the, the day happened to go right for them, and this time it really went right for France. I, I don't know. It's so hard to make judgments off of one day or two days, I guess. But, I mean... Uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, the excuses, not excuses, but the reason, some of the reasons are Martin got hurt and he did what he could do. I mean, the guy's literally got a broken foot today. Um, he did what yeah. he could do. Um, but I still feel like 
and the excuses being uh, the, the reasons being the, the GP guys have good setup for this track. It was sort of sandy. Um, they know what this track does from years of racing on it, and you know they don't have the jet lag and everything else. But I still feel like JT. I feel like the USA needs to go at this team selection or race day setup a different way. Something's it's not broken, but some they need to overhaul their their process. Do you agree? Uh. Yes and no. I, I think that maybe um, looking at the you know the setup and how they go about uh, preparing for the race, maybe. But I don't. I really, and I know we were going with the team selection thing, and I, I'm not really on board with with trying to force guys to move down, just because I don't. I don't foresee that happening. I just think that's uh, oh, Caroli, Caroli did it. Car- asking Car- guy, you know, guy like Tomac to move down, but I just don't see that happening. And the, the way that things are structured now, why does why don't you see that happening? Caroli Caroli does it. Horbeek did it. Yeah, um, but they don't. Those guys don't have to race. Tommy Searle uh, straight straight rhythm and Monster Cup and get ready for Supercross and do all these. Things. You know this this race. Oh, give me a the break. End of the season. I mean, it's, it's done for them. So give, give me a there, break. There's no testing going on or no no other things to really worry about for a, quite a while. So I, I think it's a little bit different of a it's kind of apples to oranges there. Uh, okay. The biggest thing that I look at. Um, and, and it's not really that it's a new situation, but I, I still come back to it just because I struggled with it so much is I think that our guys ride Supercross for eight months out of the year and we ride outdoors for about four months. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a huge disadvantage. I think, you know, it most, it, at the most it's seven months, uh, you know, seven to five for Supercross. So for me, I just don't see how there's any way that practicing a completely different discipline for seven months out of the year can't have, can't have an effect. You know, this is all, all these guys ride as motocross all year round, all the time. And supercross is a lot different. The bike no. is different. You're, you're completely changing the way you go about riding your turning technique, uh, momentum, all the things. And I went through this personally. It took me at least two, three weeks to a month to feel a hundred percent riding outdoors compared to supercross. And I just don't think there's any way you can look at it and say that the speed difference is not going to ever be affected when you're when you have someone practicing one one discipline twelve months out of the year and another uh, you know another continent practicing uh, sixty forty. You know I just don't see how that's possible. Oh, I do. They've won what twenty out of twenty eight or something like that. How is that possible then? What changed? I understand. They were super I understand. But season, too. But, but, but the seasons were much different back then. You know, we, that's a, you're looking at a huge number there. <laughs> that might be the most ridiculous thing you've ever said, JT. I know you got jet lag. 2006? I know you. I know you. Nine, ju- ten. J- Weege, he just flew in from Russia. He's disoriented. Nope. He's disoriented. You, you guys are talking about 28 times. Yeah, but the, when you look at the seasons back then, the outdoors were all mixed in with, with Supercross. It wasn't any, anywhere near the, the way the schedule's laid out now. I'm not talking 1984 here. <laughs> He's talking three years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, that's personally my opinion. You guys are talking about why we don't dominate the way we used to 20 years ago. I, I, that's, my, that's my opinion. It's not so much dominated. I mean, I what about we're... eight in a row? What about 2005 through 2011 or whatever the hell it was? Yeah, there, there was this guy called Ricky Carmichael. I'm not sure if you guys remember him. But he, uh, he he did some some pretty strong things over there. 
Ricky, Ricky lost. true. Ricky's only three and three at Motocross the Nations. Yeah, he did lose some, but I guess you can say that you pretty much had Villapoto or Carmichael on each one of those teams, I think, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go back. So, and look. I don't know. Can you just say that that's a uh, that's that's one of the big differences? We just happen to have those two guys who really. It's not like these other guys aren't great riders, but Carmichael's the greatest ever. Filippoto has shown a real flair for you know clutch performances, which is key here. Is that one of the huge differences? Like we were overcoming other. I never even realized. It'd be obvious. Sure, racing in Europe when you're not from Europe is a disadvantage, but it didn't really cross anybody's mind because they were winning anyway. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, this must be a lot harder than it seems. Is it just because we have, have usually had a guy or two who could just overcome that to such a degree that we didn't even realize, and now that we don't have them? I don't know. I, I mean, I just don't think we're sending our fastest guys, and that's, that's an issue. That's well, what, then, well we, have, that, we haven't had a dominant, we haven't had a dominant force in that race in, a, in quite a while, in my opinion. Oh, well, we haven't won a moto since Filippoto. Yeah. Since uh, uh, 2011, France, right? Yes. And, again, that was the final moto. It was everything. I don't think they were even ahead. I think they were behind going into that moto. And then Filippoto, like, picked up the team by the balls and said, I'm going to have to hole shot this thing and win it. Well, but then Dunge, too, got second. So Dunge rode great, too. Um, Yeah, and it was the classic, like I said, like, in the final moto, when it mattered, somehow both guys got good starts, even though obviously one's going to have a good day and one's going to have a bad one, Yeah, which is kind of the way it rolled for France this weekend. It so much hinges on these tiny things, but I don't, part of me feels like when you have that guy in the team, maybe it helps so much. I don't know if it's a pressure thing or what. The bottom line. not one guy that raced. I think the bottom line to me is that our 250 guys haven't performed. You know, uh, Martin. Well, answer me this, just before we get too far away from what I was saying. And I know you guys, obviously, from the tone, you don't agree, but you guys honestly don't feel that our guys practicing Supercross for eight months and riding outdoor motocross for four months versus those guys riding rough outdoor motocross for you know all year. That's all that they do. You don't feel that that has any negative effect at all. No, no, because uh, no, I, I agree with JT that it does have a negative effect, but the problem is. They won a crap ton of times despite that. So I can't all of a sudden blame the last three years on that when that hasn't changed in the last three years. Well, no, I'm not saying it's a change. Forever. I'm just saying I, I think that the the emphasis maybe has yeah. gotten so much on Supercross in America. And I think that's a relatively new change. In the last five to ten years, I think Supercross has become overwhelmingly more important. I'll take your point, JT, and tell you this. The European riders take way more time off than the American guys. Their schedule doesn't start until, what, March? Um, you know, the American guys basically have no off-season. I mean, they have an off-season, but they ride all the time. They perhaps, if you're not on the Motocross Nations team, maybe you'll take two to three weeks off in uh, in September or something like that before you get going. But but basically, they're, they're 12 months a year. The Euros, they really chill. They they ride, I don't know. I know they take December, January. It's too cold. No, that's it's too that's crappy. Not true. Those guys are riding uh, their country championships and all the warm up races. They're not. Uh, Mantova, Mantova, Starcross. There's a, there's a lot of races that you're not. You're no, not they're, they're all later on. They're all later on. They're they're like in February, and they're just getting going. But I remember Caroli. Uh, well, Caroli, Caroli raced the Italian championship. 
the the whole month of December, so I'm not really sure what you're talking about. The last time Caroli did that Starcross race, he said, this is my second time on the bike, and he won it or something. Um, whatever it was. You know, they, 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 they're not on the hectic grind of American schedule. They're just not. And... So, I mean, that would be your ca- the counter to your argument about it. I, I, you've been, I, you've been uh, drinking the Villapoto Kool-Aid too much. No, you're, 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 you flew from Russia. You're disoriented. You're confused. You're lost. Um, that's okay. not, th- I mean, I wouldn't think – I I talked to Tomac about it. And well, when was I, the last time you rode Supercross? Do you think that those, those guys just uh, after Utah started m- motoing on Supi – and then right before Designations picked up their bikes again, their motorbike, started riding motorcycles. I don't think that they rode very much after Utah. No, well, I, I think they rode okay. some, that's but not a, very much. That's a separate argument, if, and I do believe that that doesn't help either. The, the Designations is 30 days after our last national, and it's, it's hard to you know, be grinding out two three, day, mo, two, three days a week motoring to get ready for this race in a month. You know, That's definitely another issue. I don't want to say excuse. I know the Honda, but, guy, Honda guys and... KTM guys were testing Supercross the week after Utah. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying the Designations so, guys. I mean, you're, the, you're saying are they riding Supercross? Yeah, I, they are. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they, I don't know if the Designations guys – I know Tomac hadn't started, and I don't think Martin had. I'm not sure about Dunge. I just – like we yeah, said – They were testing the new KTM. I'm pretty sure Tomac had ridden Supercross. Like we said, if you're going to say that, then what, what are you going to say about all these years that they won? You know, oh, I, I just, like I said, I think it's uh, I think it's a problem that's becoming more prevalent. They just I think uh, I just think because I think Supercross has gained so much importance. I think that's what everyone's focused on. I think that that's the the culture here is more about Supercross than it is outdoor motocross, and that's what guys spend their time getting better at. I I, I don't know. No, I don't. That's not the reason why they lost. Well, you're not. It's not for you to say that it is or it isn't. Your opinion. I just, yeah, my opinion is that it's not the reason they lost. They they rode 24 I didn't motos. Say it's the reason they lost. I just think that it's a reason that that we've started to see uh, a, a drop off or a fall off in our performances. I just think we're not sending the best riders. I got another one I'm going to throw out. I got another theory I'm going to throw out. And I, I think, by the way, all three of us are agreeing. In case. There's some Euro listening to this podcast and is seething right now. I believe all three of us are in agreement of something has changed. If the American riders' level has gone down or the European you know, GP team's riders have gone up. But we're all saying this isn't like an anomaly. Like we don't expect Team USA to just win eight in a row starting next year, right? No, I think they're in for a fight each and every year. Yes, I think we, I we all agree on that. I agree. Yeah, I just don't want any Euro guys to be like, they're just making excuses, excuses, excuses they don't want to admit. We're, we're fully admitting that this is not like it was. Something's changed, and we're just trying to figure no, out. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to explain yeah. why the why the, the gap has has come down so much yeah. to where it's almost even now. Exactly. Now, or, or obviously, we yeah. may not even have any advantage at all anymore. So, no, I, that's, I just want because this donation thing gets people so spun out and they get so crazy about it. I just want everyone listening to know we all fully agree that something has changed. We are not at all saying that America is just dominant, and they just got unlucky or something. And, Matt, this should bring up an interesting point using the word excuses and reasons. I don't know what the problem, like, excuses. I remember in Lommel in, uh, when they got crushed, uh, Chuck son was like, it's so hard to ride a sand track like that. It just, the, the, the sand just wants to rip the handlebars out of your hand. It just wants to keep grabbing that front wheel. 
And then people are saying, oh, Chuck, stop making excuses. And I'm like, he's just giving analysis of what's difficult about riding a dirt bike on a rough track. Like, these aren't excuses. Martin got hurt. That's not an excuse. That's just a reason. Like, yeah, so, yeah. It's trying a, to clarify that. The a touchy, it's a touchy subject that way. Uh, yeah. What's that? It's a touchy subject. Excuses, reasons. People, people, re- people listen into it and read into it what they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you almost can't yeah. even help yourself. Yeah. So you can't cover no, your bases. I know. Yeah. But I mean, I well, just, let's just get out of the way. We all agree something's changed. The, the, the riders from the European teams have gotten better, or the American riders have gotten worse, or something. But we. So now we're just trying to figure out why. One of my theories is I do think that way back in the day, in the 80s, when they had the biggest win streak of all, I think at that point, Supercross was an advantage. I think that the bikes and the riding styles and the technique involved so much faster here in the United States because they were riding these crazy-ass technical tracks that European guys hadn't seen. And in those days, you could literally watch a European guy ride, an American ride, and the riding styles were totally different. The Euro guys look like dorks compared to the Americans. I think now that Supercross has been around so long, those basic things, now every rider knows how to do it. Plus, you have the Internet, and honestly, a guy like Ken Roxon grows up watching Supercross, wanting to race Supercross, idolizing Supercross racers. Every GP guy can scrub just like any American guy. I think all that stuff has gone away now. So they've kind of equaled it up uh, from where it was before. It's just like a global game. Like It used to be like every American rider in Southern California had the keys to success, and no one else could get them. And now anyone anywhere can figure out how to make this work. So I think that's a factor, too. Yeah, I went, I went back and read an old uh, observations column from Teuschenthal uh, in '09, and I wrote that if you, if you closed one eye, you could have swore you were somewhere in the middle of America because Frassard and Roxon and Moosekin and a lot of the 250 guys who are 450 guys now were scrubbing and attacking the track like no other. The difference between the MX2 and the MX1 class in 09 was was very measurable. You could see these guys. The kids, they, they were riding just like the Americans, just scrubbing and charging and, you know, and, and I think that I don't think, Weed, you were saying the – trying to figure everything out. I don't think the U.S. Le- the U.S. riders' level has gone down. I think the Euros have yeah. come up. I think that's the reason. I yeah, don't think, I, think so. I, I think the Euros have come up, and, you know, I guess we said they're going to be in a fight for the, rest of, uh, for the rest of their time. You know, Roger, I talked to Roger after the race, and he said, you know, nothing's really a secret anymore either as far as bike settings. Everybody kind of knows what yeah. everybody's running. There's lots more, court, lots more communication and coordination between the factory teams over there and over here. So... Um, I want to get your take on this, though, uh, Weege and JT. Um, this is what Roger told me. There, there's so much pressure on our guys at this event. We have such a big entourage, and I think we need to look a little bit at the fact that we have too many people talking and too many opinions, too many experts talking to the riders, trying to tell them what they should be doing. I think these guys are all too good to keep hearing, to keep being told all day, you need to go win. What do you think of that, Weege? What does that even mean? I'm trying to, I read that, obviously, and I'm, I'm trying to interpret what he means. Is he mean that there's, like, so many guys around them, like, putting pressure on them? Yeah, and I think he... I think he like, th- like, pretty much saying, don't let us down type of thing? Right, right. And I think he means a little bit like too many guys talking to the riders about, like, hey, you got to do this, and don't forget this corner, and hey, don't do this. And 
I saw this guy do that over here. Um, you know, everybody wants yeah. to help. Everybody wants to help. It's all, it's all positive, but it gets into a rider's head a little bit. So yeah, I mean, it, it has to be a factor. It has to be a factor. Uh, there's more entourage everywhere you go nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that would include um, over there. Although I don't know, I thought it hasn't, hasn't the overall unit shrunk a little bit from where it would have been when the budgets were bigger maybe five years ago. Do you think so or no? I think it's shrunk a little bit, but uh, you know. From the eight hundred people that were on the podium in England, um, but it's still pretty big. It's still pretty big, JT. We saw people we didn't know who they were. Yeah, and and I honestly think that for the results, I don't think that it's a huge deal. I really don't. I think it's a pain in Roger's ass. Uh, I think that's <laughs> that's more where his frustration comes from than I think that it. I really don't see it affecting the results too much. I just think it's really annoying for him. You just, uh, I just I'm to circle back around to you. You, you, you have a theory here, but I haven't heard you fully bake it out. You're yeah. not sending the best riders. Explain that in full. Yeah, I mean, look, Tommy Searle dropped down to the 250 class and he won it this weekend. Antonio Caroli probably would have won it. Um, he dropped down to the class. Jeremy Van Horbeek was scheduled to drop down to the class, and DeSalle was going to ride the big bike until he got hurt. Um, we see this year in and year out with these guys. Um, and we don't ever do that. We don't send our best three best riders. We send the 250 outdoor champion who could be younger, could be a rookie at this event. You know, could, could Jeremy Martin had never been outside of America. Do you know what I mean? Before this race. Um, Baggett hasn't been Baggett that we've seen in America at the race. And why don't we, we all have, you know, guys that have 250 programs. You just tell Tomac, and, I, and we talked to him on the Pulp Show, and he said he would do it. Eli, can you ride the 250F? We're going to put Trey Kennard, who just ripped off four out of the last six uh, moto wins. We're going to put Trey Kennard on the 450. Eli, you're going to be on the 250F, which you were on last year, and you hauled ass. There's our best team. You know, um, James Stewart, now – you know, this year James couldn't go because there's a lot of issues, and other years he was hurt. But Roger never even looks at James Stewart's way. Uh, he there's personal issues between them, and so James has no chance of getting picked. He's won the race twice before. He's one of the very fastest motorcycle riders to have ever raced in the world. He's not at his old level, but he's not that far off. We don't send James Stewart. And there's no chance of sending James Stewart. Uh, we won't put a guy on the lights bike, on the 250F. Why? Why don't we do this? Why are we not sending the three? Why are you guys? Canada's great. Why are you guys not sending the three best riders? That's, that's my theory on this. I, uh, I agree. I don't know if that's everything in it and, and, and all, all of it, but... Uh... But I agree, and I think part of the problem is that everybody wants to be nice, and no one wants the badmouth riders, and we've, we've talked about the, the, the hell you catch for that. So I think everyone wants to say, well, the guy, whoever it is, won the 250 National Championship, so he deserves it, and he's a great rider. Well, that is true. Well, call up Mickey Diamond. However, call up Mickey Diamond. I, it didn't, exactly. In 1988, they just said the three best riders in the United States are Jeff Ward, Rick Johnson, and Ron Machine. They are the Motocross Nation's team. They are unquestionably the three best riders in the United States. So what I'm saying here is I'm not insulting Jeremy Martin, and to prove that I'm not, 
yeah, we can say when Maggie was on the team or Kennard was on the team in 2010, they haven't had a good motor in a long time. Uh, is Jeremy Martin the third best American motocross rider right now? No. And that's not an insult to him. He's only in his second professional year as a pro. He might be the third best or the first best in his prime two or three years from now. But that's not where he is, and I, I agree, like, is is Eli sorry is uh, Jeremy Martin better than Trey Kennard right now? No, I think that's part of the. I and, think that is part of the problem. Plus, and, the two fifty thing is such a glaring weakness. If you have a guy that puts in a miracle ride in a two fifty F, you're almost guaranteed to win the event. You almost have to blow it. Yeah, uh, the other guys just have to be pretty good on four fifties. You have a two fifty guy winning motos or coming close. Usually, the other two fifty guys are way back there. I know it wasn't like that with Tomac and Roxon. That's rare. That's yeah. why those rides still get talked about so much. What did Searle win the 250 overall with this weekend? Um, fourth and an eighth or yeah, something? Yeah, 4-8, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A Caroli, who knows what Caroli could have done. He could have gone 1-1 or 3-2 or something like that. He would have been right in the hunt, even with only decent rides to everybody else. So, in some ways, I feel the 250 thing is the biggest way to lose game points but you're not putting your best guy necessarily on it. You're putting all that pressure on literally I mean, a newcomer every the, year. The, Jeremy Martin, like Baggett, they'd never raced in Europe before. They'd never – I mean, everybody at some point has to be a rookie this event. So I, I get it, but, you know, they're younger and they're at this race. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when what about the Stewart factor? I mean, look, we know he's been hurt a lot of years, and now he's got this FIM thing over him. There's always some baggage. But when there isn't baggage, no one looks at him. Roger just won't take him. James Stewart's really good. Yeah. He's a good motorcycle rider. Yeah, yeah, I agree. To have someone at that level to just just completely pretend he's a non-factor. You I mean, um, any other country does that. France obviously was taking a ton of heat coming into this for not picking certain guys. Yeah. Here it's just accepted. You, t- you send Dungey, Villapoto, and Stewart, and everyone else can just stay home. Just stay home. Those three will do laps on the track by themselves. Because it's over. It's over. Or what about the intimidation factor, I would guess, even at that point? Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean... So which, of yeah. those, which of those three are you going to talk into riding at Tibet? Yeah, because I don't see any of them agreeing to do that. Well, that could well, what's be... Wrong with them? Why not? That could be part of the problem. We, uh, I, I'm not the one to answer that, but I can, I can tell you that it's not going to happen. Okay, well, that's part Why? of... What's wrong with them? That's part of the problem. They don't want to do it. Well, well he, then they, don't want, they don't want to. Okay, well, that's fine, too. I'm just telling you that's not going to happen. I understand what you guys are saying, but it's, it does not going to change anything. But again, other countries do it. So now we're looking at egos, and now we're looking at sort of being a little petty, being a little childish. Okay, well, I, I'm not arguing what you're right. saying. I'm just saying that I don't think it's going to change. Well, we should try. We never even try. We don't look into it. No one, No one talks about it. So, I mean, again, three years in a row, USA's lost. And, I mean, I really think that that's part of the problem. Um, JT, did you have any problems with the gate selection this weekend? I did. I, did you? I what, did. What? I wrote about it. Yeah. Why? I was not a fan. I think it was, uh, you know, going into that last moto, we had one chance for victory. And we had to basically sweep that moto. We had to go one, two in that moto. And it is outside of a chance that was. It was. There was still a chance. And I really don't like the choice to put 
uh, put Don Jenny outside and put Tomac on the inside. I, I did not like it. I don't think that, you know, just going off the weekend, Tomac had proven that he could not get a start for whatever reason, just could not do it. Uh, Dungey had proven that he could, and when you put Dungey on the outside and you put Tomac on the inside, if Tomac blows it, it's over. It, it's absolutely over because, you know, there's a very strong chance that Dungey's not going to get a great start from out there, and it's really it's really up to Tomac at that point to, to make it happen, and he didn't, he didn't do it. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's their call and their team and their decision, but I, I was not a fan of it. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I kind of I, – I thought that one too because I thought the decision shouldn't be too hard because you have Dungey who's proven his, one of his weaknesses is making passes. And you were seeing it all weekend. I mean, that uh, I think the qualifier on Saturday and the first moto on Sunday, he got held up by guys. I mean, Pauline just blasted right past Dungey blasted right past everybody else. How much time did Dungey stay stuck behind Alexander Tonkov all weekend? Tonkov rode well, <laughs> right. but Dungey, as usual, I'm like, it's going to take him three laps to pass this dude. Um, so it's just Dungey. They had their own little cold war. <laughs> I'm glad you went over there to try to mend it last couple of days. So, <laughs> Dungey, you just know Dungey's weakness is, if, if you're going to give Dungey a 20th place start, we might have some problems. Now, Tomac, unfortunately, has gotten a ton of bad starts the last couple of years. And you, I just feel like if you're going to take your chances on which guy's better at making passes and you're going to strap him with a 20th place start, I'd give it to Tomac. And I think in the third motor, you saw what happened. They both ended up way in the back. And who came through better? That's just Tomac's deal. That's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm in one way, yeah, you guys have points for sure. I think the... The smart thing they did was put Martin on the outside. That was smart because he was jacked up. He was, you know, he had a broken foot. He wasn't gonna. He's was just gonna struggle. So you got to get those ones and those twos and those low finishes. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. yeah, and I think Martin. Did, I feel Martin did well. I mean, uh... he, he did. You can't say anything. I mean, the guy has a broken foot. Yeah, he did fine. You know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, and he was really probably what the. In, the, in his class, I know they don't score him that way, but he was really third or fourth to the DF guy. Yeah, I think he was fourth. You know, and yeah. starting on the outside and beat up. I think he did fine. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Uh, his crash was pretty horrendous. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think that they need to look at everything. Um, rider selection, maybe even the pit, the pit atmosphere. With the guys, I had someone on Team USA tell me that, like Dungey, they had a little meeting and Dungey was like, "Hey guys, just you know, do your best and have fun, man. Have fun." And this guy was like, "Have fun? This is war, you know." I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much that has to do with anything, but I think uh, I think going back to what your um, your take was before the race, I think we need to go back to the the Team USA being together in the pit. I, I think that's uh, yeah, maybe. I think it works better. Yeah, maybe that's some. Yeah, that's been something they got away from um, in the last few years. So they kind of pit where their teams are. Caroli and Dungey are together, and then on the backside are the Honda guys with uh, uh, Eli and um, Akira Narita, and, and probably another guy I'm forgetting. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe kind of close ranks a little bit, have some solidarity, you know? I don't know. Maybe have more bonding time or something. But 
Smith, like I said, we're, this is such a small sample size, but I have to wonder, in 2011 in France, when they, again, we're down going into the final moto, and it was like Dungey and Villapoto rallied together. Again, one of them must have had a 20th gate pick or something, and they must have somehow, the team either took the pressure off or got confident or pumped each other up, and they're like, man, we have been struggling all weekend. We might lose this. We need to kill them in this final moto. And then they go out and they start one, two. Yeah. I mean, there's got that can't be a coincidence that they both nailed the start together. It seems like somewhere along the way, they pumped each other up. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yep. Oh, well. Okay. Uh, hey, let's take a quick commercial break here on the BTOsports.com. Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. And uh, we'll listen to this commercial from Racetech and uh, save yourself some money using the code PulpMX14 at Racetech for suspension needs. And the code PulpMX works good on uh, BTOsports.com and, of course, Fox Racing. We'll be right back to talk about RV to the GPs. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech Suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. All right. We finally, the news finally became official. We've known about it for a while. Um, RV to the GPs. Um, what do you think, JT? Well, I mean, we've known about this for quite a while. And, and I, I was a big uh, naysayer of this rumor at, at first. And then, obviously, once uh, you know, camp kind of learned a little bit more and it became more reality, then... We've done that for quite a while, so I think the shock factor is is not very big for us. But um, I don't know. There's just so many things when you start talking about this deal. I think there's so many factors that probably a lot of them will never see the light of day uh, for the real reasons why this is happening. Um, but it's it's just to point at one thing and say, oh yeah, this is why he's going to Europe. I think it's impossible to do. Uh, I'm sure that Ustream will will find a. a easy way to do that and just say, you know, that they feel that they, he wanted to go there. But uh, I think logically there was a lot of things. Uh, his injury, um, I think he's burnt out uh, on Supercross and the pressures of Supercross and the American uh, kind of pressure cooker uh, situation that we have here. Um, and I think he, you know, he didn't want to leave all that money on the table. So this was the, the way the solution, basically, that he found to get his money and, and take some of the pressure off. I don't know if that, you know, non-pressure situation is going to play out how he thinks it will, but 
I think that's I think that's his approach at this point. Weege? Yeah, I think those are all those are excellent points. You're you're going to hear some propaganda for sure coming over from the Grand Prix series, and that's their business. So I don't blame them for it. I mean, they're gonna. <laughs> They're going to want to say it's just because they're the greatest series ever and the greatest thing ever, and everyone should come here, and it's awesome. And they should say that. That's If I was their PR department, I'd do the same thing. But obviously, I don't think it's just because that's still a photo. It's a good way for them to continue to get their paycheck, like, uh, like JT said. Now, I don't want to say that like completely condemning the GPs. I mean, there probably are things, and for sure there are a lot of people involved with that series and Monster Energy over there and Kawasaki over there parts limited over there, that I'm sure really want to see this happen. It would really be cool for them to have this high profile of a guy. I mean, K-Tim has been owning this series with Red Bull for a long time. They would love to win. So you've probably got a lot of people that are going to be really cool with him and are really nice to him, and whatever you need will help you, will help you, help you. And that's hard to resist for anybody. You know, when, it, when you have a job interview from a company that wants to hire you, Obviously, they're going to say good things. They want good employees. So I'm sure that that helps, too. And I'm not saying that's fake. They probably will take good care of him over there. Uh, But I guess the big factor is what is his status? What is he? It's one thing if Villapoto in his prime just said, I got one thing left on my list. I'm going to Europe to kick ass and take names. But do we know if that's the actual reason he's doing that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Weege, I mean, you know RV. I, I don't, I mean, when has he ever cared about legacies and titles and wins and, you know, where he ranks and, and you know, can he bring home a world championship when others cannot? Like, you know, he, I don't think that that's into his mind. I think win or lose, this is his last year. He's not, you know, I mean, he's going over to do it and he's going to put 100% effort into it, but he's not the, the type of guy to, you know, care about this stuff that much. He's just not, and... And whether it's GPs or Supercross or, or all-time win records, he's not that type of guy. So I think I think this was a nice way to fulfill his last year of his Cowie deal. Something different, something to get him excited. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, but the problem is, like I said, uh, when Dungy was not going to be racing the nation this year and then changed his mind and did, once the results come in, nobody cares about any of that. Like, there's n- no one greeted Ryan Dungy at the airport and flew back home and said, hey, third year in our team USA lost, but we don't care. At least you volunteered to race. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Bill so, yeah. Poto, if he does go over there and does not win, there is going to be a lot of hell to pay for that. He might not care. Right. People, the reaction will not be, well, it was cool to see him go over there. That was cool. No. Uh, this is for fans on both sides, this is like World War Three. He might not think of it that way, but it's going to be looked at that way by everybody else. It's, I mean, this is motocross history. We have never had our current champion yeah. head over there to yep. go race. This is this is motocross history. Never happened before. So, I mean, I think that's pretty sweet. That's pretty great. And, uh, I mean, there's some people claiming, you know, RV walking over somebody, walking over everybody. There's no way that's happening. No chance. So... I mean, those guys are quick. We just finished talking about the more cross the nations, and, you know, it's going to be a battle. But, again, if, I think if anybody can do it, it's, it's Ryan Villapoto. Okay. Sure. You know? Yeah. Does um, does this start a wave of American riders heading to the GPs? <sighs> <laughs> That's a good question. 
my first gut reaction when I first started hearing about this is, no, it, it doesn't really mean anything like that. But I guess in a way it does only because it was probably something that no one would even have looked into or considered. Mm-hmm. And this may be other guys might at least look into it, and then maybe they look into it, maybe they like what they see. I, I don't think before anyone even, you think any really very elite guy who didn't have a problem getting rides and was going to pay millions of dollars even ever asked his agent, hey, look into Europe. Yeah. No, I don't think so, but I do think that Baggett looked into it this year. I think that uh, Michael Lessie could be heading over. Strong rumors that Michael Lessie could be heading over next year. So, yeah. maybe, you, you know. know. circumstances are a little different. I mean, obviously, we know Lessie's situation as far as getting a ride and being on a factory team. And I think Baggett was trying to just, yeah. you know, he's in between deals and he's trying to make as much money as possible. And if he's going to get paid, you know, double to go to Europe. But if you're... The Filipoto level, you're just going to make ridiculous cash either way. I don't think anyone had ever explored it before, mm-hmm. but I would think just because of this, guys are going to at least look into it. Um, but I don't think long-term it really can happen only because, and what did we start this podcast talking about? Supercross is where it's at. The mm-hmm. emphasis is on Supercross. If you have four Supercross titles in the bank, you've lived the Supercross dream, you've succeeded, you have the option to do this type of thing. But for anybody else to abandon Supercross, uh, that would be a tough sell. How do you think he does? Oh, God. <laughs> That's the hardest question to answer. I know. I we've all got our theories as to why he's doing it, but how will it go? Yeah. Um, if he's going there for the for truly competitive reasons, if he's going there and he's putting in the effort, and his goal is to kick ass because he's a racer, and every race he's in, he wants to win. If that's truly where he is in his heart, I think he, I think he wins the title. That's what I think. And I know that's going to make people go insane, but Ryan Villapoto is a pretty special rider. There's no doubt about it. And that's not an insult to Crowley or anybody else, but he's a pretty special guy. I, if that's where he's at, I would, that's, that's what I would say. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes 100% and still loses because those guys are good. Mm-hmm. But... He's one of the best guys to ever throw a leg over the motorcycle. I know Caroli is as well, but Filippo is something special. He's done some pretty amazing things. The last time uh, I talked to Baker, the question is: Is that where he's at right now? The last time I talked to Alden Baker, he said that if RV went to Europe, he was still going to work with him. So oh, okay. there's still that, you know. Um, yeah, that I, a long, long time ago, or I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a month ago. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago. I made a comment yeah. to RV about uh, him and I have spoken a few times, and I made a comment to him about, like, dude, why, you know, why are you just cashing out with this? And he got very upset with me. He started calling me a lot of names. He said I, I didn't know what I'm talking about. You know, you can just imagine the names that he was calling. And I, I just think that, um, you know, he's in this for the right reasons. He's going to give it 100%. You know what I mean? This isn't a farewell ride, so... If that's the case, man, uh, I think you'd be crazy to bet against him, even in those ridiculous circumstances of yeah. when Europe in their series, their tracks, what they're used to. Yeah. I mean, he's he pretty much hasn't ever failed ever. So those mm, are good odds. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. JT, what do you think? How can he do? Uh, I, I agree with what Weech says. It really just depends on which Ryan we see. Uh, if we see the the 2010 uh, 2009, 2010, I, I think there's a very strong chance that Caroli's experience and uh, 
the culture and all the things get to him, and, and maybe he doesn't win this thing. But if he goes in there the way we saw him in 2013 outdoors, uh, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that can beat him in a you know 17 round series or whatever they have. I, I, just, right. I don't see it. I think he in that form, uh, the Supercross form, the end of this year and the form of 2013, he is the best rider on the planet, bar none. I asked him if he was going to run show over there, and he said uh, he's going to open his mind back up to try new things. So that should be interesting to see what he does with that. I mean, they can make swing arms, they can make frames. You know, it is no production rule over there, so should be interesting to see. His bike could be pretty cool. Could be a lot. He could really tailor his bike to make him even happier, you know, than what we've seen him over here. So. But wouldn't that be something if the 800 went over and we saw the rivalry back i don't think there's very much of a rivalry anymore it's pretty much been a severe beatdown on every level mm, yeah but at loretta's it was a different story <laughs> yeah okay maybe we'll flash back to 15 years ago right right just <laughs> um, a little phase right now of Villapoda having the upper hand just a, phase. <laughs> just a phase right it'll swing back around the pendulum's coming back oh, this is uh it's life's a circle. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, well, it's kind of just got hot. It's yeah. Got hot. Yeah. It's got a hot hand right now. He's riding it. He's riding it. These things run in cycles. Yeah. His cards are full. Don't worry. <laughs> so. Well. Hey. Um, all right. Um, anything else? Any other topics? Any other, anything else to talk about? Uh, there's a million, but we could just save them for other podcasts. We've got a lot of new team yeah. announcements, but. Yep. We digested a lot here. Yeah, probably. All right, everybody. The BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. There you have it. All the scoop and thoughts from the motocross to nations and uh, the RV to GP things from Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Thanks, guys, and we'll talk soon. Okay. See you. Yeah. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry.
it was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did, everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go by.